Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, film geeks. Today's $2 Tuesday is all about Barbarian, probably one of my favorites from 2022, and I'm still shooketh. So let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. And this is $2 Tuesdays, a series where we talk about movies we haven't talked about before. Sort of. So in the same vein as last week, because last week was Candyman, we are talking about a movie that I have done a review on, but I have not done a podcast review. So this review predates the podcast, so to speak. This is Barbarian. So Barbarian came out last September. I want to say September 9th. I may have seen it on the 8th or the 7th. I can actually tell you real quick. Give me a second. So yeah, this came out September 9th. I would have seen it on the 8th, a Thursday. And I I was so shooketh. I, I could barely say what I needed to say when I was doing my review in my car as per usual. And I ended up having to do a second video like some 12 hours later just to give myself some time to process. That thing rocked me. That movie was so good. Now, at the beginning of the year, when I started this podcast, the very first episode was a let's recap movies of 2022. I saw 44 movies last year. Now it's 2023. We have passed 44. By the time you listen to this, we'll we'll be approaching 70 movies. And that includes movies I've seen in theaters, movies I've seen streaming. I, I count all of that. And... I did, you know, a recap the best I could. I just did the bottom 10 and then the top 15. And this movie ranked number six. Just to give you a rundown of that top 15, The Banshees of Inishirin, The Northmen starting from the top to bottom, The Banshees of Inishirin, The Northmen, Tar, The Fablemans, The Menu, Barbarian, The Whale, Elvis, Devotion, Top Gun, Maverick, Breaking, Smile, The Black Phone Watcher, and Babylon. So those were my top 15 movies. Not so much my favorites. There are a couple of movies in there that I'm like, I can't believe that ranked, but I just did it based on different categories. So uh, the categories that I rank are direction, acting, writing, cinematography, production design, film editing, costume design, pacing, plot, character development. 
you know, pacing, plot, and character development are things that are very personal to me in terms of what I look for, things I noticed. The rest of the categories are things you would see at an award show. I take those categories, I rate them one through 10, and then I come up with an average. And that's how I came up with my top 15. That's how Barbarian ended up in the top 10 at number six. That movie was so much fun. Now, y'all know I love scary movies, and I'd heard a couple things about the movie, mainly that it was just nightmare inducing. It was terrifying. It was so, so scary, like scariest movie of the year. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. Because, you know, every time there's a horror movie out, they always say, oh my gosh, it's the scariest movie of the year. It's the scariest movie of the decade. Scariest movie of all time. And I'm like, whatever. Anyways, no, that thing's scary. I had nightmares. I had nightmares after Barbarian. Now, this came out September 9th, right? So I would have seen it September 8th. This would have been week three of me seeing, you know, a movies every week. So August 25th is when I saw The Invitation. After that next week, I think I saw Breaking. And then the week after that is when I saw Barbarian. So August 25th is when I started going to the movies every single week. Now, before August 25th, if I remember correctly, actually, I can look and tell you right now. Hold on. Because I'm in my spreadsheet, which is where I'm, I'm a nerd. Don't judge me. Please don't judge me. So this is what I can tell you. So... Yeah, The Invitation, I would have seen August 25th. Before that, They Slash Them, I watched on Peacock, August 5th. But the last movie I saw in theaters before I saw The Invitation was Nope on July 21st. So yeah, August 25th is when I started seeing movies every week. Now I'm saying that because... Be going to the movies every week, I see the same trailers over and over and over again. I mentioned this in the menu, how I almost didn't see the menu because I'd seen the trailer so many times I was kind of over it that I almost skipped it. Now, at this point, I, I don't think I'd seen a trailer for Barbarian in theaters. Not that I could recollect. It might have been there for Nope, but I don't remember. But most of the promotion I saw for this movie was um, TikTok. Just scrolling through TikTok and seeing the promotions there. But what really drew me to this movie, if I'm being completely honest with you, judge me if you want, I don't care. Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Look it, okay? So you know in if you if you're on YouTube, then you've seen the video. When you open up my YouTube page, you'll see the trailer for this YouTube channel. And it's kind of just different clips of uh, different TikTok reviews that I've done to kind of give you an idea as to what this channel is going to look like. And I, I say at the very end, you know, I'd risk it all for Bill and Alexander Skarsgård. I, I stand by that. I stand by that. Oddly enough, if you go and watch that clip, that's the very last clip is me saying that. Right before that is me going, I was wrong. I was wrong. That's actually from my TikTok review of Barbarian. Now I'm going to post that full review on YouTube for those of you who don't do TikTok or you don't have Instagram. It's on YouTube. You can go and watch it. Now post both videos because I did my regular TikTok review in my car to the best of my ability. I was just, I, I needed a process. So I did another one the next day. So I'll post both for you to watch the full one just to see what my thoughts are and what's changed since then. Okay, so this movie right here. Yes, I'm going to be real. What drew me to this was Bill Skarsgård. I think he's absolutely gorgeous. He's so pretty. His brother. Oh my, like, look it. Okay, five minutes. That's all I'm asking. He's, I think, has a girlfriend and a child. So I, I'm respectful in that era for Bill. But last I checked, Alex is still single, which means my delusional self still has a chance. Right? That's what that means, right? But no, the Skarsgård brothers, like, golly. Oh, if it were a perfect world and you could get everything you wanted, that's what my man would look like. 
tall for no good reason with pretty eyes and just like intimidating. And and that's something we're going to talk about a little bit with this movie. So this is Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger. This is his directorial debut. He was part of a comedy trope. I didn't know anything about this man, never heard his name. I'm not big on the comedy scene, you know, comedians and whatnot. Just the ones you'll see on TV here and there and the ones who show up in movies like, you know, Kevin Hart, um, Cat Williams, stuff like that. You know, Bernie Mac. If they don't show up in a movie somewhere or if I didn't watch them on, I think it was Comic View live, on BET when I was younger, if if I didn't see them, they, I don't know who they are. Don't know. Uh, the Kings of Comedy, that actually filmed in Charlotte. So that's something I would have watched. But other than that, I don't know anything. Don't ask me about SNL. I can't tell you. So I have no idea who this guy was until people were like, yeah, he's this guy from the whitest kids. You know, like, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. I tried to do a little bit of research on him just to figure out who he is and his perspective, his, his values, his beliefs, figure out where he's coming from, because this movie is so interesting. Now, we've talked about social commentaries before, and horror movies tend to be social commentaries. This is the thing about horror movies. And I actually want to kind of do a whole podcast episode on this, just making a case for why horror movies are so beloved in a sense. It's not just that people enjoy getting scared. There's something that you get out of it. There's almost something cathartic and therapeutic about horror movies. In the middle of that terror, there is this ability to kind of tiptoe and deep dive into social issues or sometimes mental issues, past issues, trauma, what have you. There's a there's a way for you to kind of engage with it and interact with it and also pull out and pull back. That's something about horror movies where they take you in and they scare you and then they pull you back out. It's almost therapeutic and cathartic. And I really want to figure out where this dude is coming from, what his thoughts are, what what he believes and You know, he's married to Sarah Paxton, which I just learned. I had no idea. I've loved her since I was very young. Sleepover, if I remember correctly. So a big fan. And I I just want to know, because this movie is such a, a social commentary with respect to women. This really is a woman's kind of movie in the, the, in what it's telling. And it's, it's, I don't know how to put it simplistically or, you know, how to put it in a nice, nice, neat little package. But this movie really speaks to women and how we interact with men and not just interact, but like how we view strange men, men we don't know. Almost kind of a, a explanation on what it's like to be a woman dealing with men, some of our, the, the hardships, not, oh God, I can't, I'm trying to figure out the word, the, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Zach Kreger is directing, and this movie stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long. And here's the thing, if you have not seen Barbarian yet, I suggest you stop right now and go to a website called justwatch.com and search barbarian and it'll tell you where it's streaming now at the time of me recording this it is on hbo max which is now called max but i'll still call it hbo max because i can and it should still be there so i would double check to see where it is and then go watch it because the last thing I want to do is spoil the movie for you. Here's the thing about Barbarian. The best way to watch it is to go in ignorant. And that's why I was talking about trailers and whatnot. This is not a movie that I would have seen on screen in terms of the trailer because I wasn't going to the movies the way I was going, the, the way I go now, where it's, you know, once, sometimes three times a week. And I'm seeing every single trailer over and over and over again. I probably only saw the trailer for this movie one time, maybe twice, but the rest of the promotion I saw on TikTok. And these are very short clips, sometimes less than 15 seconds of 
you know, hey, this movie's coming out. Oh, look at these audiences screaming kind of deal, which they do with a lot with horror movies for promotion to kind of get people, you know, keyed up and ready to go get scared. I, that, that, honestly, that was apparently the best way to go into this movie was completely blind. So if you've never seen this movie, do no research. Cut off. Stop right now. There will be spoilers, and I don't want to spoil it for you because it ruins the experience. The best way to go into this movie is ignorant. You, the Well, what about the trailer? The trailer tells you nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing that the trailer can give you that could possibly prepare you for the experience that is Barbarian. The, there, this movie is special. I, I loved this thing. So this is your out, okay? This is the out. You can go. Exits. Over there. All right. Why are you still here? I told you to leave. All right. The spoiler alert's done. I did my due diligence. You disobedience who are still here, don't say I didn't warn you. So this is Barbarian, again, directed by Zach Kreger, his directorial debut. Stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long. This movie is about a woman named Tess, and she arrives at an Airbnb in Detroit, Michigan, and she arrives in the dark. It's such an interesting opening because it opens with the sounds of women screaming and crying it's kind of weird and out of place and then all of a sudden we're in her car and that sound is gone and we're in her space that's such an interesting introduction because we are immediately put into this headspace of being in her point of view does that make sense like everything that we're feeling and experiencing is from her point of view so why would we hear what's happening on the outside when she's sitting in her inside her car right very basic very you know normal and she's at her airbnb it's dark outside i believe if i remember correctly it was raining and so she goes to the airbnb she's looking up the directions on her phone for the lockbox to get the keys she opens the lockbox key is absent doesn't work and she's trying to figure out what's going on and all of a sudden a light comes on in our airbnb and someone's inside she can't really see who it is through the blinds but she can tell it's someone the person opens the door and it's a dude named keith played by bill skarsgård and he claims that he booked this airbnb through another kind of short-term rental website she booked it through airbnb he did it through another one i can't remember which one so they both booked the same place it's double booked they're trying to figure out what to do she's trying to contact the people she's not getting a response no one's answering the phone but they make the decision hey let's just share the space why not now here's the thing though what I remember from this movie is the there's a sense of anticipation because we arrive in this neighborhood and we can't see anything except for the house in front of us. That's all we can see. It's pitch black. We don't know where we are. Why should we? She doesn't really know where she is. She's not from Detroit. And she arrives at her Airbnb. This is not her home. This is somebody else's home that she's staying in. And someone's there. Someone she does not know. This strange man. And it's Bill Skarsgård. Immediately, I'm anxious. Why? Because it's Bill Skarsgård. And to me, that was the biggest piece of genius this movie had to offer was the casting of Bill Skarsgård. Let me explain. And I talked about this a bit in my TikTok. But it's genius because immediately upon seeing him, we are expecting the worst. 
in spite of the fact that he seems like a nice enough dude, he's clean shaven, he looks respectable, looks like he cares about personal hygiene, like he seems like a nice enough guy. We are still expecting the worst. Why? Because it's Bill Skarsgård. You know, just a couple of years prior, he was Pennywise the Clown. He was in Castle Rock. We, he was in Hemlock Grove. This is someone we know to be scary. This is someone we associate with fear. We associate him with being menacing and deceptive and manipulative and evil. It's Bill Skarsgård. So when I see him, I expect the worst. Even though he looks like a nice enough dude, even though it seems he means no harm, even though it seems like he's on the up and up, I'm already anxious because I know this dude to be evil. That That's just my immediate impression. And the way this movie just sets things up, because everything about this is unfamiliar, right? Immediately, we're, we're snatched into her point of view. So she's in an unfamiliar city on an unfamiliar block. She can't see anything except the house in front of her. Like, why is it that this one house is lit, but nothing else is lit? It's It's weird, right? It's like going trick-or-treating on Halloween and there's only one house available for candy. Who walks down that street? I probably would. I have no sense of self-preservation, but that's neither here nor there. It's a little weird and jarring and not unsure. And this guy opens the door and it's someone whom we know as the audience to be scary, but she has no idea who she is. Again, we're kind of in her point of view. So not only are we anxious because he's familiar, but we're anxious for her because she has no idea who she is. She doesn't really know where she is, but she's where she thinks she's supposed to be. And he allows her to come into the room. So they're they're trying to figure things out. They decide to share the space. He's going to sleep on the couch, all six foot four of him. That's another thing about Bill Skarsgård. You have the two brothers, right? Now, Alex Skarsgård, yes, I said what I said, is far more intimidating than his younger brother. You know, Alex Skarsgård, we know him as, you know, Eric Northman, right? True blood. And he definitely has a more dominant and alpha um vibe about him we i would immediately be scared if he walked into the room and i didn't know who he was right bill skarsgård is something else different how do i make this make sense six foot four makes sense on Alexander Skarsgård. Like it it fits him. It suits him. He is obviously that tall, but the tall does not look awkward on him. Does does that make, it seems proportional. There's something about Bill Skarsgård and his six foot four that seems a little bit awkward. He's very tall and he's kind of lanky. He's not as lean as his older brother. So he's tall, he's lanky, he's unfamiliar to this woman, and yet he has the sweetest face. That's something that's where he differs from his little his older brother. Bill Skarsgård has a much sweeter face and his eyes are much bigger and much bluer. And he's got that dark hair that just makes everything on his face pop. He He's tall and he's intimidating. He towers over her. He's unfamiliar. And yet he has a very sweet face. There was something so genius in his casting because just his physical appearance, his physique is just metaphorical. I think for a lot of women, when we approach a man we do not know and we're trying to size him up and figure out who is this dude? Is he going to hurt me? Am I safe? Because we're looking at all these different cues. We're looking at the fact, we're looking at the way he's dressed. We're looking at the way he approaches and introduces himself. We're looking at his height. We're looking at all the things that could be seen as a disadvantage for us 
because there's always this escape method. But she has to be where she's at. There's nowhere else she could possibly go. She has to go to this job interview. And unfortunately for her, there's some kind of convention in town. So it's not like she could get a hotel or another Airbnb. This is it. But he seems like a nice dude. In spite of the fact that he's unfamiliar, he's a little tall and slightly menacing. He's got this sweet face. He's 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 like a good dude. But I'm still unsure. I don't quite trust him. I don't know. Because again, as an audience member, even though I'm watching this movie through her point of view, her anxiety is my anxiety. I still know this guy to be bad. So I'm very confused watching this as to why he's so sweet, why he's so good. I know this is a scary movie and I'm I'm expecting something bad to happen and nothing bad is happening. She seems like she's safe and okay, but she's with this dude that I know is not always a good dude. But he looks like a good dude. He acts like a good dude. He treats her with respect. He lets her have the bedroom. You know, she goes in the bathroom to freshen up. And when she comes out, he's sitting there at the table with a bottle of wine. And he waits until she gets out there and she's visible and and he can see her. She can see him before he opens the bottle. Because he's that that's so considerate. Like, oh, my gosh, I would fall in love with a man if he thought like that. Like he really thought ahead. He he really took the time to really think that she would probably feel more comfortable drinking this bottle of wine if she saw me open it. Like he's so self-aware. He understands that he's in a very awkward situation with a female who might feel uncomfortable, who might be scared and goes the extra step of saying, hey, I'd love to share a bottle of wine with her, but I'm going to wait until she gets out here to open. I want her to watch me. That's who does that? Who does? It was such a sweet and kind gesture. Very simple, but so thoughtful, so considerate. And they have a good time laughing, going, talking for hours while they're waiting for the sheets to dry. And we get a sense that they've been talking for a very long time because he lets her know that, hey, it's going to be a while before the sheets get changed, before the sheets get dry. And they're still talking by the time the laundry's done. I love stuff like that where we get little, you know, little notes about how time has passed or things have changed instead of something obvious like the flip of a calendar or the turning of a clock. We are given this sense of time by the laundry, right? And that's something we can all relate to as adults. We understand that, you know, if I'm doing laundry, it might take anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how much of a load is being done. And this is sheets. So sheets and a duvet can take a little bit longer. So they've been talking for a very long time. They've gotten comfortable with one another. They're becoming friends. They're having a good time. And he seems like a good enough dude. Okay. And now my anxiety is a little bit gone, but then it's nighttime. Everyone's sleeping and there are noises. And there's a door at the end of the hallway that keeps opening. The way they shoot this house by allowing us to see everything all at once, which is not always normal in a horror movie. There are With horror movies, you kind of get a lot of tight shots. You're very limited in what you can see, but we get access to everything, even the dark corners. Now, not necessarily, it's not necessarily true that we can see what's in the dark corners, but we are allowed to see the dark corners. Does that make sense? Kind of like that opening shot where all we have visible, all that we can clearly see is this house and everything else around us is dark. He could have just given us a tight shot of the house. And then when we wake up the next morning and realize that the neighborhood is in ruins, except for that one house, it, it doesn't give the same effect. Because we know that when we come into up to the house, it's surrounded by darkness. 
we can't see anything else. We have no idea what's going on in the empty space. All we have is a house in the empty space. And when she wakes up the next morning and she goes outside, she sees what's in the empty space. This is a rundown, gentrified, crappy little neighborhood. It seems like every house is not occupied. And boarded up like nobody lives here so what is it with this house that to me was terrifying that knowing that she slept like that in a neighborhood like that that's terror it's these little things these natural things that would normally scare you it's not just jump scares she goes to the job interview she tells the lady who's local you know this is where I'm staying. And she's like, oh my gosh why are you staying there but we never figure out why we never find out why this place is so bad if you heard me burp, excuse me. Anyways, we, she gets back to the house and she's trying to get in and there's a homeless man yelling at her to get away, get away. And we don't know what's going on. She's trying to get inside the house. She gets in the house, she locks the door and she's packing up her bags and she's ready to get out and go. She's trying to figure out where Keith is because Keith went to go do his thing. And apparently he's part of a jazz band. It's, it's like happenstance. It's a perfect situation. Let me backtrack a little bit. So a little bit about Keith is that he is a musician of sorts. You know, he has a bit of a band and they're scouting out different locations. And she is, you know, wanting to be a research assistant for a, a woman who, a filmmaker who does documentaries. And it's going to be all about jazz. And here he is. I mean, it's like the perfect circumstance. She's newly single. He's single. They have similar interests. He's a nice guy considerate, good-looking. Oh, like perfect, right? He's he's almost too good to be true. That's guy number one, the guy that's too good to be true. That's That's a guy that a lot of women come into contact with, men who are good men, and they're genuinely good men. But we don't know what to do with them sometimes. We're unsure. They're too good to be true. That's dude number one. God, this movie was brilliant. Oh, my goodness. I love it. So anyways, anyways, so. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, things are crazy. And she ends up going to the bathroom or something. And then she has to go in the basement. I forget why. And then she's in the basement and it's weird. And she sees this string in the wall. No, wait, she gets stuck in the basement. So she goes in the basement. Basement door gets locked from the outside. She can't get out. So she's stuck down there. She doesn't have her phone with her. She has the key, though, but she can't get out. The only th- way out is a window at the top. But she figures she'll just wait for Keith to get back and, you know, alert him. Hey, I'm down here. Come and get me, please. So she is standing at this wall, notices that there's a kind of a string behind a a thing, pulls it and it opens up a secret door. And it's a beautiful moment where she's staring down this long corridor, this long hallway that leads to more space underground. And she goes, nope. So real. God, they were so real for that. But she's down. What is she supposed to do? So she makes shift away to get light into the hallway using a mirror and the outside window because again she doesn't have her phone. If she had her she had her phone, she would just use the 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 light on the ca- on the camera, right? But she doesn't have that. So she ends up going down the hall, finds a room to her left and all that's in this room is a bucket, a mattress that has blood stains and a camera. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Okay, so now this movie just took a completely left turn. When it came to what this movie could possibly be scary about, when I'm hearing the word barbarian, I'm thinking like a boogeyman or a monster, right? No, like what is what is happening? So now at this point, I'm confused. I'm very confused. This is not the turn I was expecting for this movie to make. And we haven't even gotten to like the big turn of the movie. So she's like running and trying to get Keith's attention because he's finally back home. He, you know, frees her from the basement and he's trying to listen to her. And she's just going on and on and on and on and on. And it's this interesting moment that's very emphasized, but it's it's not preachy. It's a struggle that women have of being taken seriously, you know, and he even comments, he says, you know, I hear you basically saying, like, I hear what you're saying, but I didn't see what you saw. I didn't see it. So let me go see it. What a guy, right? It's like everything I think a woman really kind of wants in a dude is in him. A guy who takes her seriously, who who says something simple as, I didn't see what you see, saw, so let me go see it. Let me check it out. Let me look for you. Let, let me take care of it. Let me open up a bottle of wine in front of you so that you know I'm not here to hurt you. 
little things like that. So he goes downstairs. And at this point now I'm like, what if he really is the bad guy? And I let my guard down and I trusted him. And now he's going into the scary basement with the scary hallway, with the weird room, with the blood stains and the the bloody handprint on the wall. But he's down there for a little too long because he told her like 30 seconds, like if I'm not 30 seconds, you know, do something. And so she goes back down. Like she shouldn't have done that though, but she did. She went back down and Keith is nowhere to be seen and she's hollering for Keith. And it turns out that Keith found another door. There's a door at that end of the hallway that leads to stairs that go down. So we're already in the basement of this house. And apparently this basement has a basement. And these are like these stone cobble steps that are just wet and dank and it's dark. But this time she has her phone. So she's lighting it up with her phone camera and she's walking down the stairs. She's hollering for Keith and she hears Keith screaming like these bloody murder screams. Apparently Keith is in trouble. Now I'm confused why Keith is in trouble because I was sure up until this point that Keith was going to be the bad. I was waiting for it. Okay. I was waiting for it to come to, for it you know me to be proven right that's what i was guessing the whole time that keith was the bad guy and they were just gonna i was i was expecting this movie to be predictable it was not nothing prepared me okay nothing prepared me for keith like begging her to like less we have to go out we have to get out of here we have to go we can't go that way we can't go that way and then all of a sudden this woman this thing out of nowhere that's naked and boobs just swinging and smashing his he dies he dies she kills him murders him bloodies his uh, nothing could have prepared me for that i didn't see it coming like what there was there was no hints no clues nothing outside of my own anxiety and my own lack of assurance with respect to this man named keith turns out he wasn't the bad guy he was just another victim and he was the first victim like what and then that wasn't even the crazy part, right? Those of you who've seen it know what happens. She she smashes his head into the wall and he and he's a bloody hot mess and he dies and all of a sudden it's pitch black. And then we get this happy-go-lucky music. This happy-go-lucky music. And we're in California. It's bright and it's sunny outside. And Justin Long is singing in his convertible. I was uh, confusion, Confucius. I am confusion. Like I, what? I was like, what is, what? Like I just, I was screaming bloody murder, feet all up in the air, trying to figure out what's happening. This lady just scared the mess out of me. Keith died. I was like, there's the basement has a basement. And then Justin Long, we're in California. It's sunny and it's happy. And there's music playing. I looked, I I will never forget this. And this, I, I looked to the guy next to me. He's looking at me. I said, are we watching the same movie? What what happened? Confusion. It's instant confusion. That's fear mixed with confusion. God, just brilliant. It was so brilliantly done and so be- brilliantly crafted. So we get to guy number two. We have guy number one, who's the guy that's too good to be true. And then we have guy number two, the guy we, we assumed was all right. The guy we trusted to be on the up and up. Turns out to be a complete sleazebag. Turns out to be the absolute worst. Turns out he's a predator. Turns out he's this entitled beta male douchebag of a guy. This is the guy that we assume every man is. It's it's guy number two. A lot of guys are guy number one. And I'm sorry for some of you dudes who are guy number one and you're trying to figure out what you're doing wrong. Don't blame the women, my guys. You got to blame guy number two. We run into a lot of guys, guy number twos. The guy who 
again, he's on the up and up, who, who seems like he's on the up and up, who is good looking enough, sweet enough, accommodating enough, but he's a sleazebag. He's dirty. He's deceptive, manipulative, predatory. He's not who we thought he was. There's something about God number two that makes us question ourselves and question our sanity, makes us ashamed almost. How could I have not seen it? How could I have been so stupid? How could I let my guard down? How could I have been so reckless? That's guy number two. And unfortunately, a lot of guy number one suffer the repercussions of guy number two. There's nothing wrong with you, my guy, I promise. We just ran into too many guy number twos. So guy number two is AJ, played by Justin Long. He's an actor, and he just got fired from his job while he was driving, you know, down the California highway, listening to music in his convertible. He gets fired from his job because his um, cast member, his fellow cast member, has accused him of sexual assault or sexual misconduct. We we later find out kind of context clues that it's a lot more serious than sexual misconduct. And she is demanding that he be taken off the project so she won't continue without him. And so he has lost his job. It looks like things are kind of downhill. He has to make some financial decisions because so far charges have not been pressed, but it could get that way. So legal issues are afoot. Financial issues are... um you know, they're, they're coming. So he's got to liquidate some assets, including an Airbnb that he owns in Detroit. So he, as it turns out, is the owner of our Airbnb. Again, remember, this story just kind of shifts. This movie shifts, takes a drastic shift. Normally, when I take a talk about things being episodic, it's, you know, you have these scenes that come next to each other, and it's clear that these bones are all part of the same body. There's just no connective tissue. This was something a little bit different because we took this dramatic shift. The movie was doing one thing, and all of a sudden, we're doing something completely different. It's like we're in another movie, but then it reconnects, and, and we it, it, it all starts to make a little bit of sense. So Justin Long, AJ, as he is in the movie, is an actor who who is now disgraced, dealing with some legal issues, has to come up with some cash. So selling his Airbnb might be an option. But again, this is an Airbnb that seems to be in this dilapidated neighborhood. Like who would want that? Right? So he leaves California and makes his way to Detroit because according to the people that he works with for the Airbnb, no one's staying there. That's the information that he has. No one is supposed to be staying in this Airbnb. That's a bit of a plot hole that never gets answered as to how that happened, but it's not necessary. It, it, it makes sense that it's left a question mark. If that makes, like, it's not, we don't need it. We don't, I don't need an answer. I don't want an answer. I don't want an answer. But it, it's an, it's a necessary plot hole. It kind of adds to the, the, the scariness of it all. This little plot hole of, okay, so if according to his records, no one is staying there, how did they book it? What's going on? What is the confusion here? It, it leads to some interesting questions that you 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 kind of carry with you, and I think that's a bit of the point. So he goes back to Detroit to and goes to his little Airbnb house, and he finds that there are people who are apparently staying there, but he, and he's confused. He meets up with an old buddy, and kind of sort of confesses a bit to you know being inappropriate 
drunk calls the girl, you know, wanting to talk to her and apologizes. So we know just based on the context clues, he he did do the thing that they he was accused of doing. He's definitely guilty. So he finds out that, you know, selling this place might not be an option, but he might be able to get more bang for his buck because he goes downstairs. Well, here's the thing that happens. He ends up finding a chair that's by the um, door because our girl Tess propped the basement door open to keep it from closing and locking them out again. So he walks in, he sees that their chair is still there with the door propped open. So he makes his way downstairs and that's when he discovers the open door. He didn't know it was there, had no idea and goes back to figure out what's going on. And he sees a bloody mattress with the camera, the bloody print on the wall, the bucket. And what's his initial thought? There's more square footage. I could probably charge more for this Airbnb based on the square square footage. So he gets out a measuring tape and starts measuring. And upon measuring, realizes there's a whole nother door. So this basement has a basement. Ooh, more square footage. So he goes down like an idiot. Like a little idiot. Here's the thing about Justin Long, though. I like Justin Long. Don't get me wrong. So if he ever hears this, I'm not insulting you, I swear. But when it comes to the characters that he plays, again, we have men in here who are kind of familiar. They're familiar to us. It's not like they're, you know, just playing the same character over and over again. It's the fami- the familiar the familiarity of it all that makes this so effective because we know Justin to be a bit of a wimp in the characters that he plays. He's not one to play very strong characters, strong masculine characters. He's usually a bit of a beta and a bit of a wimp. Now, in terms of horror movies, the first thing that pops in my head is Jeepers Creepers. And that was the whole point of his character is that he was the weak one. He was the more fearful one. He was the one that was most desirable to the creeper because he had so much fear inside of him. So this is someone we know to be a bit of a beta, a bit weak. Um, We don't expect much strength from him. And then when it turns out that he's a bit of a douchebag, it just makes sense. You know, he, he's guy number two. Like I said, he's the guy that a lot of women run into. He's the guy we thought was going to be a good enough dude because he's unassuming. He's not tall and, you know, intimidating like Keith with a pretty face and the six foot four frame. He is, you know, average height, probably maybe somewhere between like five, ten and six foot. But, you know, he's not muscular. He's just very average looking, kind of normal, kind of skinny. So he doesn't look intimidating. He doesn't look scary. He doesn't look threatening. But there's a flaw in his character. And that's something that we usually discover later, isn't it, ladies? We don't always notice the red flags right away. Well, sometimes we do and we just don't care. Or, you know, we're like, hey, I like the color red. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. Do not hear the judge. Don't don't hear listen to that and hear judgment in my voice because, you know, sometimes I need a good red flag in my life. I need a little bit of toxic. But this is not that kind of toxic. This is dangerous. This is criminal. There he is, There's something criminal about him. And But this is a flaw that we don't realize until later. And it's interesting, though, because he is so unassuming and so non-threatening that when he, we first, that's how we're introduced to him, are these allegations. I'm inclined to believe him because it's Justin Long, right? He's, un, he's, he's not threatening. He's, he's, who would he hurt? Look at him. But he is, he's a predator. How could I have not known? How could I have been so stupid? How could I let my guard down? How could I have trusted him? How could I have believed him? 
Turns out he's not just a douchebag, but he's also completely unhelpful and just very selfish and self-centered. So he makes his way down to the basement's basement. He's walking. He sees cages and it gets weird from there. We're not going to talk. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. That that woman, she's there and she's naked. And apparently she's just obsessed with having a baby and she wants to feed her children. And it, it just gets very, very weird. And somehow he manages to escape her, makes his way down to a hallway. Now, Tess, on the other hand, um, escapes. She manages to escape and gets out and she tries to call the police. Now, she, this is where it gets interesting, though, because she's talking to the police. She's clearly distressed. She's been hurt. She just got, she's been held prisoner. She's trying to tell the police officers about what's happened, and they're not listening to her. They're not taking her seriously. They get a call over the dispatch, and they figure that's more important. Um, but this dude is in danger. But Tess, being the good woman that she is, finds a way to get back into the house to go and rescue what's-his-name. Well, what's his name is down in the basement. And then we get another shift. Somehow we get this another shift. And it, this movie keeps moving into different places. But now instead of us being, you know, within days of one another, this isn't a, a, the same time period. We're about, golly, maybe 40 years earlier. So Reaganomics. So sometime in the 80s, and it's the same house, same neighborhood, except it's much more lively, much more bright, much more colorful, and much more lived in. There are neighbors and houses, but this is apparently when things in the neighborhood started to change, when economics started to take a downturn because we see a neighbor who is deciding that, hey, he's going to move out and they're going to move on because it's just not worth it anymore. So we know this is about the time when the neighborhood really started to take a turn for the worse. But here we are at this familiar house and there's this man. And quiet, and we, we're not getting much from him, but immediately we're introduced to him, and we know that this man is a predator. He's not like man number two. This is man number three, the outright predator, the man of our nightmares, the the worst case scenario kind of man. And it turns out that the woman that he's kept in the basement isn't just there by happenstance. She's not just some, you know, boogeyman, some fiendish monster from a storybook. No, but she was a real woman who'd been held captive as a sex slave, as a torture victim to this man. And this man apparently has been living in this basement's basement all this time. And now he's an old man in this bed and he spends his time rewatching movies, rewatching his torture videos. He was the one that set up the mattress. He was the one that caused the blood stains and the hand and the, he had these, he's been holding women captive for years. It's, he's a serial killer, serial abductor, serial rapist. He's the worst kind of human being, absolutely evil. He is a woman's worst nightmare and he was doing unspeakable things to women. It's interesting seeing Justin, a.k.a. AJ, coming face to face with this man whose name is Frank, played by Richard Brake. Richard Brake is someone I'm less familiar with. He was uh, Joe Chill in Batman Begins. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, so I'm not even sure if I remember his character much. He was in Game of Thrones. I've only seen like maybe 20 minutes of the first episode. I can't get through it. Bless my heart. He was in Peaky Blinders. British dude. So he he looks 
normal. Kind of normal. Just just normal enough. He was also in Thor, The Dark World. Didn't see that one. Don't Don't yell at me. But he, he seems normal enough. Kind of the helpful guy. The guy that whose door you'd knock on because you've got a leaky pipe or your air conditioning needs fixed. But he's a predator. He's the worst kind of predator. He blends in with the rest of society. And he has no desire whatsoever to hide what he is. So he just doesn't really talk to anyone. But he's always on the hunt. That's how we meet him. He's hunting. He's stalking. He's picking his next victim. It's interesting seeing AJ come face to face with this man who is old barely alive, re-watching his crimes on video and knowing that AJ is really no different than him. And yet he can recognize the evil. That's man number three. This was such an interesting portrait of, in a way, what it's like to be a woman in the 21st century, especially when it comes to women interacting with men. These are the types of men that we come in contact with. You have men, number one, who is most men, I think. Too good to be true. Just all around good guys. And sometimes we don't know until it's too late that it's they were a really good guy. We should have known better. We should have trusted more. We should have let our guard down. And then we have guy number two. Why did we let our guard down? How could we not have known? Why didn't we see the signs? You know, why are we trying to attach every red flag to guy number one when they're all just surrounding guy number two, like a fortress? And then you have guy number three, who is everybody's worst. This is the reason why many of us will walk out at night with our keys between our fingers. You know, this is the reason why I don't care what you're doing, what, how much you need help. If you are a man and I don't know you and it's dark, I'm not talking to you. You know, this is why many of us, if we're jogging, we don't, you know, blast our music in our ears to full blast. You know, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes running with our phone in our pockets, guy number three is why. You know, this is why when you're at a club, you don't go to the bathroom alone. This is why guy number two, guy number three and guy number two is why if you leave your drink at the bar, you don't pick it up again. Who suffers more, the woman or guy number one? (laughs) That's the question. I guess it all depends on the context, right? But that's what this movie ultimately is about. It's about women and how women interact with men and how women often view men and often just our real world interactions with, with men. Such an interesting commentary, very bold and very subtle, but very in your face. It very well done. Movie was terrifying, scared the absolute bejesus out of me. And, ugh. God, the movie was so good. I like, I just, it was just so good. God, it scared me. It sat with me. Movies that just sit with you for days, that was barbarian. I thought this was such a genius effort and an amazing first time effort from Mr. Zach Kreger. I hope he does more in the future. I think he is very talented, very gifted. He has an interesting way of telling stories. This type of narrative, it's it's different, it's different, but it's reminiscent of narratives of old. I think about Psycho and how Psycho, we start in the story one way and then all of a sudden it takes a turn and we're in a completely different story. Very similar, but except he takes that shift and he makes it much more dramatic. 
very simple in terms of camera work, but very effective. Again, how we're introduced to this neighborhood with just a single house that's lit and where all we can see are the dark corners, one house and dark corners, incredibly effective, how we're given a full view of the house. Well, more so from the living room, right? We're given a full view, very wide shots of everything. We're able to see all the different corners, all the things in, in a normal horror movie we would be looking out for. We can see it all to let us know that we will never see it coming. Effective villains. Who is the villain in this movie? That was interesting. Because you have AJ, who's clearly a bad guy. You have Frank, who's clearly a bad guy. This woman who's a victim of circumstance and has become her circumstance has been transformed into this monster because of what has been done to her. A lot of things, doing bad things, and yet there is one final girl. And yep, Tess survives it all. Bless her heart. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was Barbarian. Came out in 2022, September 9th, 2022. Directed by Zach Kreger. And I just love this movie. I love the structure. I love the way it's put together. I love the casting here. I thought the casting is the genius element in this movie. Uh, uh, and I had nightmares. That's my litmus test for horror movies. If you can, you know, give me nightmares for a couple of days, you did your job. Much appreciated. So at the time of this recording... What movie I will be reviewing this weekend or this Thursday, this Friday, is to, do, to be determined. The Taylor Swift movie comes out on October 13th. And a lot of movies that were supposed to come out around this week had to rearrange things. Um, Exorcist Believer moved up a week. The Killers of the Flower Moon had a limited release scheduled, I think, for like late September. And then it was supposed to actually release either this weekend or the next. And they just scrapped the limited release and just went ahead and just did a wide release for the 20th. So so the Killers of the Flower Moon is definitely coming at least next week, at the very least next week. But for this week, I haven't the slightest idea. I don't know. We're, we'll figure something out. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, I'll be able to give you some kind of inclination as to what's coming up. But yeah, the Taylor Swift movie, um, congratulations and you know hope you have fun for those who are actually going to watch it for those of us who are nerds and go to the movies every week um it, it's a little inconvenient because <laughs> i had plans i have a i have calendars prepared for october and november i have all of my movies planned out for the next two months also going into december so yeah that that put a wrench in a lot of my plans and then also you know playing things by ear so as of today the strikes are still happening who knows what happens by the time you hear this but as of right now strikes are still happening so my whole schedule is up in the air but Stay tuned. I'll keep you posted on what's coming up. But as far as our next $2 Tuesday fun fact, I mentioned the movie we're going to be talking about in this here podcast episode. So leave your guesses down below. And let me know what you thought of Barbarian. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you not like it? If you didn't like it, tell me. If you loved it, tell me. I want to hear all the things. I want conversations. And I, I'm sorry, I just love the movie so much. So if you didn't like it, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Not in the slightest. So let me know. Let me know. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. 
and I will see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.